Welcome to another edition of the Ghost Gold Podcast. I'm Andrew Passaro in here with Alex Moss. We're here to talk about the fact that there are four World Cup games left. I repeat, there are only four World Cup games left. My wallet is very happy about this. My body is very <laughs> happy about this. My emotional state, nope, can't handle it. Abort mission. <laughs> Roll it back. Play more games, please. Let's have let's have who's gonna win four, five, six, seven, eight in the World Cup. I don't care. Let's keep playing games. I'm not even gambling on this, and I want more games. Like, I can't imagine what people who are gambling are doing like this. But it was a wild week. Uh, quarterfinals were all over the place. France gets a two 0 victory over Uruguay. Brazil gets knocked out two one by Belgium. England knocks off the Swedes two nothing. Russia Croatia goes two two, and Croatia goes through again on penalties but let's start where it all started it'll be friday morning 10 a.m france taking on uruguay and i have to say the most disappointing part of this game was edison cavani's absence for me i really thought that that uruguay missed him france were prolific they were organized did everything well i just felt that we were robbed of a a potentially better game had we seen edison cavani be healthy and be able to participate for uruguay that being said Uruguay played well, but it just uh, wasn't enough. <laughs> you know, yeah. you, you kind of yeah. saw even within like the first ten minutes uh, of Christian Stuani, who uh, replaced Cavani in the lineup, partnering uh, Suarez up top. Suarez was working his socks off. He was uh, he didn't even he didn't play badly. I thought uh, maybe the rest of the team as a whole the uh, the didn't perform uh, as well. But I, I think it's just. The equivalent of Uruguay missing Cavani in their lineup is like if France were missing N'Golo Kante. Like at the end of the day, even though N'Golo Kante is a defensive midfielder and Edison Cavani is a center forward or striker, he's the most he's the most hardworking player in the Uruguayan team. And no matter no no matter of running that Luis Suarez does is going to make up for the fact that Edison Cavani was a great weapon starting the, de- the defending from the, uh, f- further up the pitch. But he also tracked back on, on set pieces and was an excellent counter-attacking weapon that Christian Stuani simply is not. And you saw it over and over again where, where France just felt more and more free to keep up the pressure because they, they didn't feel threatened by Uruguay on the counter-attack. And uh, really good at midfield performances from Pogba and Kante and uh, and obviously Griezmann and Varane on that that first goal that was so critical for France to get the first goal and not let it get like cagey down to the 90th minute and make let Uruguay think that they could get it to penalties. So it was it was definitely still a stern test for France to overcome, but uh, Uruguay simply didn't have any other chance other than getting it to penalties. I don't think. What did you think about uh, Muslera's error on the uh, second goal that would go on to be Griezmann's goal that sealed it? Do you think? I mean. How much do you think Uruguay should be upset about? I mean, I thought it was a mistake, but I also didn't really see them creating enough of a chances before that to really be like that was the moment that knocked this out of the World Cup. I thought it was kind of moments similar in the uh, – it's just similar in the tournament that really prevented it, but I just want your thoughts real quick. There's parallels with the Champions League final gaffe from Karius. Um Namely, the fact that they were both uh, a goal behind, uh, 2-1 for Liverpool were down in the Champions League final, and Uruguay were down 1-0 at the time, obviously. So with that in mind, I don't think those those goals usually happen if it's like an even scoreline or like or Uruguay are ahead, because 
the keeper is looking in those situations to try and catch that ball, and he's trying to look like sort of half up the field also to see where he can like sort of start a counterattack or where he can release the ball. And that one half second of uh, not being totally focused on the ball when it breaks like that, like Griezmann's did, that can be absolutely just uh, a nightmare for keepers, and Muslera fell, uh, fell ill to that. Yeah, I mean, look, it happens. It, it was an obvious... What do you think was worse, though, to make that mistake at this point in the World Cup or to make it in the Champions League final? No offense, but I don't think it really mattered at the end of the day either way. I thought Real were going to end up winning that Champions League final either way, and I thought um, France looked pretty uh, pretty set and pretty uh, steady with their 1-0 lead, and they probably would have pushed on to make it 2-0. They, w- they, they hadn't really made any uh, substitutions to that point, at, even at 1-0. They were pressing for that second goal, and they just got rewarded for it. Yeah, that's fair. All right, let's jump over to the big surprise of the whole weekend, and that was Brazil-Belgium. This game was at 2 o'clock on Friday. I went to the bar to watch it. Uh, had a really good time watching this game. And obviously, Belgium gets the win of Fernandinho own goal. 11 own goals at the tournament. It's the most that we've ever seen at a World Cup, and we're not even into the semifinals yet. De Bruyne with an absolute peach. Again, great run by Romelu Lukaku off the ball to open up space. Just Romelu Lukaku is... I know everyone's like ranting and raving about Harry Kane at this World Cup, but uh, Romelu Lukaku is just showing how smart of a footballer he is over the last two games with his off-the-ball runs and he deserves a ton of credit for it and then Renato Augusto snags one back in the 76th minute uh with an assist from Coutinho and Augusto who came on late almost scored a second time at the end of the second half uh I mean look Belgium were up 2-0 going into the second half and I know the one thing I have to I have to commend them for defensively. I thought they did a fantastic job. <laughs> Fellaini started in this match. It's funny you say that. And he, he did everything that he needed. Like I, there were a lot of moments that yes, Brazil could have scored and Courtois had a great moment, but there were also a lot of moments that Brazil, in my opinion, just were dribbling it right into the Brazilian, def- into the Belgian defense. And there were moments that I was very, very underwhelmed with the way that Brazil was creating anything. Frankly, if it wasn't coming from Coutinho, it wasn't happening. And I walk away from this and I look at, you know, Neymar, who's supposed to be the best Brazilian in the world, really underwhelmed at this tournament as a whole. You can't there's there's not many moments in the in the with five games that they played that you're like, yeah, Neymar looks like a player who could take on anyone and and he's going to win. I mean, we've said that about Lukaku, we've said that about uh, Kylian Mbappe. We haven't said that about Neymar much at it just all. feels like he and, I don't know. and the rest of the team have just kind of failed to get out of like second gear. They've just been stuck in sort of like playing down to a few a few opponents, not really looking like the absolute dominant force that people expected them to be, and what they actually were during qualifying, and probably the toughest uh, region to qualify out of. Uh, but at the World Cup, yeah, those 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 little maybe not mistakes, but just not showing up is just amplified. Like, but like twice, you know, you drop points in the first game to Switzerland, uh, take till the ninety third minute or something, or the ninety first minute to get past Costa Rica in the second game, beat Serbia and Mexico fairly convincingly, and then the first real test that Brazil had come up against, and you, you can debate whether Mexico can be considered a real real test, but 
I think Belgium's the first team that you can look at and on, on a team sheet and say man-to-man with Brazil. The talent about stacks up. I mean, maybe Brazil or a shade or a hair uh, better than Belgium. But Belgium also just had one of those days where I'm going to go uh, against what you just said, but I didn't think they defended that well against Brazil. Brazil created a number of very clear-cut chances that on another day they could have won the game 3-1, 4-2, something like that, a result that a lot of us thought was more realistic. But on this day, what Belgium did do right defensively is they had obviously Fellaini playing in midfield with Witzel and along with Company and obviously Alderweireld and Vertonghen in the back line. Those, that unit just did really well blocking any shots from central positions at Courtois. And any that did get through, Courtois was having a great day and he's he can uh, handle aerial balls to the top corners. Like He made a couple of absolutely amazing photo saves. But from there, Brazil had plenty of other options. They could have taken it out wide and tried to access wide areas a little bit better, but they didn't really seem to do that. It seemed to be just sort of force-feed it to Neymar and Coutinho and hope that one of them comes up with something for them. And just against an actual opponent that was able to take their chances early, like we asked of Belgium in the last podcast, we, we said it. We said if they can get a goal or two in the first 30 minutes, and it took till the 31st minute for De Bruyne to get the second goal, then... Anything can happen. They just need to get a, a bit lucky defensively, and they managed to do that. Yeah, uh, I'm excited to see what happens with this Belgian team for the rest of the cup. Uh, we'll talk. I want to say that for that a little bit later. Um, I do want to say one more thing about Lukaku, though. Yeah has he has he become the single most dangerous player on the counter attack in world football? Yeah, through this World Cup. Yeah, absolutely. And it, like, it, I think Ronaldo has had that that crown for a while. He's just been so pacey offensively and, and knows exactly when the time has runs on counterattacks. It's been a different style than Ronaldo, though. And I, I think I tweeted this during the game. You can follow us on Twitter at Andrew Pissarro, at ASMOS92 and at Ghost Gold Pod. But that the Brazilian defenders were going to have nightmares about Lukaku because of this 90 minutes. He absolutely. bullied the shit out of them. Like we're talk, we're talking like fourth grader against first grader on the on the on, at recess bullying. I mean, this is not some like, oh, yeah. mom, so and so did this. It's like no, like this is he he demoralized them. Did you notice every now and then Lukaku would act as an outlet for when uh, Belgium were taking on a ton of pressure, and he have his, he would have his back to the Brazil goal, but like at midfield and. He would receive the ball and like Miranda or Thiago Silva would be like at his back, like trying to tackle him. And he would just sort of turn them, push the ball like off into the, like the space in front of them and then just outrun them for pace and just beat them for pace, get to the ball and then like force a save or something like that. And he just would just do that periodically just to remind them like, hey, I'm bigger, stronger and faster than you and I can do this whenever I want. Yeah. And it just, yeah, that's, I think that's the stuff of nightmares for a defender when you just think to yourself, holy crap, I cannot keep up with this guy. He's actually, and he's stronger than me too. How do I defend him? And even though he didn't get a goal, obviously, as you mentioned, he was the one man wrecking ball on that 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 run to set up uh, De Bruyne's uh, second goal, which we've seen plenty of times in the Premier League this uh, this uh, year. Been a great uh, World Cup for the Premier League. Forty three percent of players still left in the tournament play in the Premier League. And I'm sure you like that. I'm sure like those stats. I'm, yeah, I do like those stats. And I'm sure that there's a couple out there that aren't on a Premier League team that soon will be. Uh, let's jump over to Saturday's action, and we'll start with England going two nil against Sweden. Harry Maguire gets a goal, 
in the 30th minute. Deli Alley gets the uh, the nail in the coffin right in the 59th minute. And I will say, uh, thrilled for a guy like Harry Maguire. I was talking with uh, one of my old interns uh, around the office on Saturday, and just we're kind of mentioning how far a guy like Harry Maguire has come. How definitely like oh yeah, he this is a guy who was on Hull City when they get relegated. And he gets picked up by Leicester City and has a solid year. I believe in 2017, his first appearance for the English national team, he showed up with his stuff in garbage bags because he like <laughs> didn't have the right suitcase or whatever. Right. And like, and now he's been so prolific for them in that back three system. Um, I I think he's gonna. I think he has the resume now to certainly get sold for forty to forty five to fifty million pound this summer. If one of the top tier teams want to swoop down from Leicester and and really can offer him the role that he wants, not that he's not getting it at Leicester, it's just I mean, it's wild. Two of those pieces of that whole team, uh, we've been really impressed with over the past year, and that's Andy Robertson, the Liverpool left back, and Harry Maguire, who's now at Leicester. Both were a yeah. part of that that Marco Silva whole team that gets relegated two years ago. Did you see the tweet from Harry Maguire that's uh, making the rounds? It's a it's an old tweet of his from like 2015. Um, it was something along the lines of that he just got home from IKEA, setting and was like failed to set up a like I don't know some kind of furniture. And then at the end, he just goes, "I will exact my revenge upon Swede in one day." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, for the next. How yeah. fitting! So Today fantastic. he gets the first goal, uh, or yesterday he gets the first goal. Uh, yeah, he's he's been a number of players that I think I finally have to say it. They've 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 been consistently impressive during this World Cup where the back three going into this tournament hadn't played together too much, the Walker, John Stones, Harry Maguire back three, but them along with uh, Ashley Young and Kieran Trippier on the right, they've been a great defensive unit. Jordan Henderson, I think we have to change the narrative about Jordan Henderson, about him as a passer and him as sort of like a a workman-like defensive midfielder and what he can bring not only defensively, but uh, helping to initiate counterattacks too. And then, you know, it, it, people will uh, people have obviously talked about him, but Harry Kane just does everything for this team. Like if he's not in the team, it's it's crippling. I know they have good forward options in like Marcus Rashford and Jamie Vardy that they can plug in there, but the way he just sort of drops that, like deeper into midfield can hold off players similarly kind of to Lukaku, and then he just has the technical ability to play in the likes of Sterling, Lingard, Deli Ali. It's it's uh, it's a nice system to watch. I've re- I've really enjoyed watching it, even though I was definitely rooting against them yesterday. The uh, you can't argue that they weren't the better team, and Sweden were were like disappointed. I, they all looked like just like they absolutely like thrown the game away or something. I, I didn't think that was the case. I thought they could be pretty happy with. Uh, we just saw like how the game went and like their their effort. They just like wasn't really their day. It felt bad for them. Yeah, no, I, I kind of agree with that. Also, you know who else was very good and has been good over the tournament? Um, Jordan Pickford's been good. Like Air Jordan, they're calling him. In oh, England. fuck off! Like I, I, that might be worse <laughs> than it's coming home. Like I, 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 if if I mean it's coming home is that's that's been a thing for twenty years now. That's, I know, uh, but if it comes home, I think I'm gonna just have to take a week off from Twitter. Like I just don't think I'm gonna be able to handle it. Try like all social media. Like yeah. my family in England, I keep getting Snapchats from them, just like in the in the streets with like people outside of a pub, just chanting, "It's coming home." 
Like the the different. I mean, yeah. Like I've used yeah whatever. It was the Caps year as like and like I don't care. Like my team won the Stanley Cup, but like England gets to do this for the next four years. The world. I don't think the world can handle it. Like we 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 really need England to lose. It it I if England wins, we're fucked. Like we're in a, we're in a bad shape. You, you you won't find me uh, disagreeing with you. Yeah, I I, I wouldn't be too fond of that idea as someone who was used to death taxes and uh, England disappointing at world cups and also hand in hand Germany over or doing really well at world cups. This one's been a weird one to say the least. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but that's the beauty of this world cup and people are embracing it. Speaking of surprises, Russia to Croatia to Croatia wins on penalties three, four uh, Dennis Sharasev with another goal in the 31st minute have to think he's got uh, hopefully a look at some bigger club because he's been really good for Russia. This has scored a lot of goals for them. Uh, Andre Kramaric uh, in the 39th Kramaric. Kramaric, 39th minute. Uh, oh, wow. You're really struggling with these names. Yeah, I have started to second. Domagoj. Vida in the 101st minute and Mario Fernandez in the 115th minute. Uh, just a wild stretch of extra time i definitely thought that croatia were going to just figure it out at the end of extra time and of course it goes to a penalty i saw a quote from rakitic that he well he's two for two of penalties at this world cup but and apparently in the 2014 world cup his mother-in-law texted uh texted him it says like i could go out there and take a better penalty than you so he uh, really stepped it up he gets the uh game ceiling penalty for for Croatia, Russia really rough rough time at the spot for Russia in the, uh, at the at the penalty spot this time. They hit all five against Spain, and one of the guys blatantly missed the the, the goal. But Mario Fernandez, the one who scored the equalizing goal in extra time, yeah, dragged his penalty wide. I was just like, oh come on, you got to get it at least on target. Um, I had this game on, I was at work, so I didn't get to watch a lot of it. Um, I mean, like it was on in studio. I, there was just a, you know, a radio show I was working on. Other priorities. Yeah. Good yeah. Job. So, uh, I did. I, get... I had a pretty weird experience watching this game. Go on. I was just at a, I was just at a bar up in Pittsburgh with a bunch of friends. We were like in the sort of outdoor area where people could have their dogs and ordering drinks and wings and stuff like that. And there was this whole like section of the of like the not crowd. It was like thirty people out there uh, that was just like really hardcore uh, Croatia fans, like wearing the the jerseys, the nice jerseys. I, li- I like those a blue away ones with the uh, mm-hmm. the checkered sleeves, the right and red and white checkered. Oh, sleeve. those ones were good. They were like the they were like yeah. the um, two thousand twelve. I think they were. Yeah, it was like the bright uh, blue. It was like almost like a like a shade lighter than Chelsea blue. Yeah. Yeah. So they're wearing the, like those kits and everything. They got scarves and all that. And they're like going absolutely crazy about every little like mistake, like yelling, sir, every time like the ref made a bad decision. And we're just sitting there like, all right, I get it. But like, I don't know. They just were kind of expressing their uh, excitement in like a really weird way. And then the guy starts like talking like very, very loudly to his friends about, like, all of the Croatian team and just being, like, blatantly wrong about, like, all of his, like, assumptions. He's just like, oh, yeah, this guy, uh, Kovacic, 
that's coming on, he's my favorite substitute. He's like one of Real Madrid's best players. And uh, like, <sighs> they talks about like Subasic, the goalkeeper. He's like, yeah, he's like a really like underrated goalkeeper. He plays in like the second division of Croatia. Oh, God. And I'm sitting there like, bro, oh, if you like even, I'm like, God. bro, if you even played like FIFA, you would know that he plays for Monaco. He's been playing in the Champions League for the last like two years. Like, he's not some scrub that like just came around during this World Cup. And I'm like sitting there just like itching and like, my friend just looks at me and he just goes, what, is he like annoying you? I just go, dude, everything he's saying is wrong. And like, I just am resisting the itch to like correct him and start a scene about it. First of all, first of all, every soccer fan who's watched soccer in a bar has been in this situation. Like it is, it is the most like quintessential soccer moment where it's like you want to like educate people, but you also don't want to be a total dick that makes people not want to watch soccer with you again because yeah. like like soccer fans as a whole we tend Read to be your a, audience <laughs> yeah we we tend to be a little bit know-it-all especially like when we have opinions about our team and and when someone's like a casual fan we we can be we can be really douchey and like uppity and but here's the thing opinions i can tell an opinion from like someone trying to state like a straight up fact and it's just it's just fake news yeah they're just yeah. Pre- they're just presenting fake news because they know no one will call them on it but you, you know don't... andrew you convinced me i should start a scene i should call them on it yeah you gotta you I gotta should... you gotta call or... you gotta call him but you don't you don't want to come off as like a pretentious dick you just want to be like right. yo I, I think you got him mixed up this guy actually plays at monaco but he is really good you just gotta you gotta like <laughs> You're going to play it off, and then you plug, oh, yeah, you should listen to the Ghost Gold podcast. And, right. like, I, I once – I don't know if I've talked about this, but I was once at, the, at a urinal at a bar in Bethesda, and the guy at the urinal down from me was wearing an Arsenal jersey, and by the time we got to the sink, I got him subscribed to the podcast. Like, it's not that hard. It's it's really it's really pretty easy. But, like, yeah, it's, it's – Dicks really, out for the Ghost Gold podcast. Dicks out for the Ghost Gold podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, this guy. I, I think. I, I think the more diplomatic solution. I, I, I going forward. I need to just get both of us get uh, Ghost Gold podcast uh, business cards. We just walk up to people and just go, uh, "Hey, how you doing?" Uh, Alex Moss or Andrew Pissarro, uh, uh Ghost Gold podcast. producer and uh, uh, and host of the uh, Ghost Gold podcast. Yeah, you had a few things wrong there, and I just wanted to correct you. <laughs> that wouldn't be uh, douchey at all, would it? <laughs> No, I definitely yeah, feel like that this works. Game. That definitely we should plays. probably talk about that this game totally itself, right? Yeah, maybe a little bit. How did you? How, well, how are you feeling about Croatia? And obviously, they got through, so you, you must be happy. But uh, you, you I Croatia like, kick game? I don't like the way. No, it hasn't come yet, and I don't think it's going to get here until after the after the final, which is going to be a real issue. But if heartbreaking, it is heartbreaking. But it's still going to look fresh as shit. I don't care. Um, I didn't like the way that they lined up. I understand putting two strikers out there, Kramaric behind Mandzukic. I get the idea trying to get a little bit more firepower going up against this Russian team, but they were better in the last couple games when they had three natural midfielders and they kind of let Luka Modric roam around. And and I was very disappointed. I I just didn't think they were creating a – like I I get the trying to score – to have more offense. I just don't think it played. And I think – now in a game against England, they they're, they're going to have to bring that back. But um, again, just I I also think that they had a tough test ahead of them because they were playing the home team in Russia. Like that that stadium was loud. It was energized. Like we talk about all the time about you know playing Liverpool and Anfield on a European night and how that's like it's a fortress. I mean 
Russia came out for their for their national team at this World Cup. And I, I think we needed to incorporate that a little bit when we were talking to this game. But I was unimpro- I was underwhelmed by Croatia. I, I'm definitely not, like, overly confident of them being able to beat England. What about you? Yeah, I don't think, I don't think we have to be uh, – okay, we can be critical of Croatia uh, for that lineup. In that, I think we know by now that Rakitic and Modric don't function at their best when they are the midfield too. You need someone like at least like Brozovic or Badelj, the uh, more defensive midfield option, who's not very well known, but he like serves pretty good function. Or they need uh, even like Kovacic play him in a defensive role, like Real have been playing him, and let Modric obviously focus in playing a little bit further up the field, and Rakitic focus on helping out in that regard, but also coming back into midfield and helping win the ball back and initiate counterattacks. It didn't help that players like uh, Rebic and Perisic, I personally didn't think they played that well. Perisic got taken off in the second half, which at the time I was thinking, like, why are they taking him off? But when I went back and looked at it, he he wasn't having one of his best games. And obviously uh, Slatko Dalic, their their, their coach, believed that that was a better course of action. Um I like Kramaric too. He's, I think he's a good player. I like him more than Rebic, though uh, Rebic seems to have uh, sort of forced his way into the, the first team and never seems to miss out. But uh, I thought they were always at their best with that midfield three I talked about, of like Brozovic, Rakitic, Modric, then Kramaric on the right, Mandzukic up top, and Perisic on the left. But they don't seem to have uh, played that, 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 that system too much. And... Who knows how they'll line up against England? If they line up with this this team, though, I think they'll be a bit exposed at the back. And Russia were able to take advantage of it through that beautiful goal by Cheryshev that came from like a, a pattern of play that I don't think think I've seen Russia like have against a good team this year, like or ever, <laughs> to be honest. Like the little build up play they had right before that, before Cheryshev just ripped it early on his left. That was some of the best soccer I've ever seen Russia play. Yeah, I, like I said, overall in the whole tournament, I've been pleasantly surprised with them. Let's um, let's get ready for previews here. Uh, Tuesday and Wednesday, 2 p.m., very little work is getting done across. Oh, shit, I just booked a lunch for 2 p.m. on a Tuesday. I'm going to have to change that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'll take care of it. It's not a big deal. Um, but Priorities. <laughs> the fucking world cup it's france belgium for god's sake um i understand logistically why they have to have the games on tuesday and wednesday but it doesn't mean i have to like it yeah yeah like, why can't we stretch the world cup out one more week have like the semifinals next weekend and then the world cup final the following weekend i know club soccer i get it i'm i, I don't like it <laughs> i don't know if i could handle with the amount of soccer that we've had over the month i don't know if i could handle giving up soccer for a full for like the all of this week and all of next you know what i mean i, I could if, if it meant i got to sit down with a beer and watch the semifinals on the weekend i get that i get that i'll be at the beach i'll be at uh ocean city maryland for the final i'll be at a beach bar and getting drunk and secrets probably probably it's secrets <laughs> probably it's secrets. you basic bitch yeah <laughs> <laughs> call me call me as you see it I'm, for, I'm wearing a can't fucking, wait for the instas i'm wearing a fucking sublime <laughs> t-shirt right now and uh yeah you bet your ass i'll be at secrets um let's talk about france belgium because these are two i mean if, if you want to look at it this, france belgium would be an excellent final 
you talk about one of the mo- two fantastic front lines, Griezmann, Mbappe, and Giroud, Lukaku, uh, Hazard, De Bruyne, excellent attackers, excellent defenders, goalkeepers who have had their moments in this tournament. I think it's coming down to the midfield. Is What can Paul Pogba and N'Golo Kante do, and, and Corintelisso or Matuidi if he's back, what can they do against this Belgian front three and against their midfield of, of Witzel? And uh, if they move De Bruyne back or if they keep Fellaini in, that's going to be a lot of fun. I mean, you've got Pogba is of a, is a sizable player, but obviously uh, N'Golo Kante knows a lot of these players for Belgium because they've either played together at Chelsea or... I can't wait to watch match. that. This, it's going to be so fun. Like, the amount of players on these two teams that are, like, teammates, is it's in, it's ridiculous. It's absurd. Uh, Can I just be biased and throw out the first, like, little matchup that I'm super excited for? Yeah. Eden Hazard versus N'Golo Kante. Yeah. I cannot wait to watch that. Like, those two, you see them in training all the time. Like, Hazard will, like, try to, like, nutmeg N'Golo, like, obviously trying to, like, get past him in training. And N'Golo's just, like, I mean, he gets beat sometimes, but he's always up for it. And he's quick enough to mark the legs of, like, Lionel Messi two rounds ago and uh, out of the game. He's he's a brilliant little player. I love him. And I, <laughs> I, I just he just has to be restated every every time we talk about France on this podcast. It's okay. Um, I do the same thing with Firmino. What I'm most excited for, uh, maybe not excited for. That's not the right. That's not the right term. But I thought in the last round, and I think most people thought that Brazil, being the more defensive, uh, a more defensive team during this World Cup, they've actually. Uh, up until that Belgium game, they had something like 45% possession throughout the tournament. They were usually like seeding possession and, and beating teams on the counterattack. But in that Belgium game, they, they they pushed forward a little bit more. Obviously, they went down early and had to take, take control of possession and try and attack Belgium. And that, in turn, let Belgium get at them on the counterattack. I don't think France is going to really fall for that. Maybe in spells, France will look to get possession and, and dominate the game, but they'll always have the ability to drop deep into that defensive uh, block and counterattack through the likes of Mbappe and Griezmann. And personally, I don't see the likes of Company and uh, Vertonghen, namely. Those two on the counterattack, they can be got at. And M- Mbappe's pace is its horrifying for this Belgian team. I'm sure they'll be pretty pretty nervous going forward themselves whenever they, uh, they get on the ball. I think that's a great point. Uh, I, I personally think... I want to pick Belgium because what I'd really, really love is in. You should do it. In 2010, we got a World Cup final between Spain and the Netherlands, and there was a guarantee that we were finally going to see a new team win a World Cup. If we got a final of Belgium and Croatia, we'd have the same thing: two nations, two nations who had never even gotten to a final before, playing. You know, you've got a golden generation in Belgium. You've got a golden midfield in in Croatia between Rakitic and Modric. Golden generation in Belgium too, yeah. obviously. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I think it would be. I think that would. That's my dream finale. Like that's what I want. Um, it's very tough to pick against this France team. I, I think they've got. We've talked about it. We, we talked about it earlier in the tournament. Like maybe France would hit. You know, they had that second year and they would get going eventually. Uh, this team is humming in my mind, and and Antoine Griezmann and Bob, and, it, and, it, and that's the thing. That's the other thing too that's different from this Europe, the Euro team in 2016. 
you can kind of say that part of that European success was because Antoine Griezmann was arguably player of the tournament. It hasn't just been him this time. And Conte's been great. Pogba's had his moments. Uh, Mbappe. 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 <laughs> Mbappe. Oh, my God. Like, the balance is there. I think they have the experience to be able to, to mark certain Belgian guys out of this game. The question is, can what can De Bruyne do? If can he get? I mean, there's so many. There's still so many players that France has to take care of. That it's not going to be easy. I hope this one has some goals. I'm going to say two one France, but I think that I wouldn't be shocked if it was the total opposite. Yeah, as someone who uh, I have France to win the World Cup, I obviously I, I like France. Um, but I am torn on this one, uh, not in terms of who I think is going to win, but I, I find myself wanting Belgium to win. The Chelsea influence is just like, it's so big there. Even in like the players in Lukaku and De Bruyne who used to play at Chelsea, like I used to root for Belgium, like pretty much was like the good international team that like I had like some investment in, uh, where Ireland have just been like garbage for the past like 15 years or something. So yeah, I have an attachment to Belgium, and I would obviously love to see Eden Hazard as captain of Belgium lift the World Cup. That would just be an absolute treat for a Chelsea fan to watch. Um, would it be a treat if he leaves for Madrid, though, in the middle of summer? Yeah, I mean, no, that wouldn't be a treat. I wouldn't be happy about that, but that would take an absolutely obscene transfer fee oh, to yeah. get us to sell him. Oh, yeah. So, you know, I, I personally... I. I've mentioned before, I may be a bit biased in this regard, but I don't think he's going to leave. I think we're going to try and negotiate another contract with him, get him to sign a contract. And then if he wants to leave again after another like year or two, we'll sell him for a big, like the, the bigger uh, price that we could possibly get for like right now, where it's just like one year left on his deal. So that leverage, I think he has an amicable enough relationship with the club that he's not going to, pull a, no offense, a Coutinho or like, or a, uh, or an Alexis Sanchez type situation and just sort of like get, take his heart out of the club and not really play. Um, but going back to this game, the scenario I mentioned before with France sort of getting at Belgium on the counterattack, obviously you could have said the same thing of Brazil. They should have been able to do that. But I think France is far more committed to that defensive uh, style of play. We, we ha- we've seen it cut into their attacking ability earlier in this World Cup where they were only beating the likes of Australia and and Peru 1-0 or 2-1. And their players didn't look outstanding going forward. But, you know, they, they do enough to win most of their games, and I think they're going to win this one uh, 3-1 at the end. It's going to be a good one, though. That's 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 just what I want. I just want a great game. Let's jump over to the second, uh, second semifinal Wednesday, also 2 p.m., Croatia taking on England. Uh, I think this one is going to be... A little bit more nervy, and I think it's going to be a little bit more gritty. Uh, both, yeah, it's real now yeah, for both teams. It's, real it's for, really, really real. It's really, really real for both teams. I'm obviously pulling for Croatia. Um, I think that they, like I said, I, I need them to start three natural midfielders. They can't do They can't do what they did last time in terms of lineup choices. Luka Modric and Rakitic, though, have the skill to outclass the England midfield. And that's not a slight against Jordan Henderson. That's just it's just a fact. I mean, Luka Modric is a top five midfielder in the world, and Jordan Henderson isn't. And, and 
ever like whoever's going to be next to him in midfield isn't going to be of the same level. It's how organized can England be defensively, and it's can Mandzukic and get behind that England back line and have another big moment for this team. And can Dayon Lovren not get turned inside out by a guy like Marcus Rashford or Harry Kane? Uh, that's these are big questions. I could see it like I am seventy five twenty five split on France Belgium. I wouldn't be shocked if Belgium gets that win, and I, it's something I kind of want to see. This one, you could play this game ten times, and it would be a different score for me five different times. I, I think that these teams match up together similarly. I think that they almost cancel each other out at times. I, I think that Croatia is a little bit better technically, but I think England's a little better athletically. And I don't know how those two things are going to play out exactly. Um, but I'm going to go with Croatia 2-1 after extra time. One thing I'll start with is that if this goes to penalties, you can bet your sweet ass that uh, Croatia are going to win. Subasic oh, has yeah. something like a 30 or 40% save rate for his career on penalties. He was injured for that penalty shootout against uh, Russia and still managed to uh, save one and zone out the or freak out the, the penalty taker so much on the, the, the other one that he missed the target completely. He's, he's a force on penalties, and that's, uh, that's a weapon of its own in, uh, in these situations. But I think the, the scenario you laid out with obviously Croatia being a very uh, a technical team, we'll see Croatia probably be the more like aggressive of the two, have more of the possession. England probably won't like sit deep because they do like to try and get runners forward themselves, but they'll look to, like pressure the ball high up the field, uh, use Kane as an outlet man, and then try and get either Ali and or namely Sterling. I think this game, Sterling has to start taking his chances very, very soon. And this is the kind of game that like, if there's any ch- time that he's going to turn it on, it's going to be this game. And then the final, because he's had a number of chances over the last couple of games and in the, in the group against lesser opposition. And he just hasn't managed to take them all while doing very, very well in possession and helping sort of in that Eden hazard role for Belgium, where he just sort of like acts as an outlet. He's so quick and, good with his first couple of touches on the ball that he can sort of break break pressure and get the ball forward with pace. He has to do that and add the uh, the, the finishing at the other uh, further up the field for England to really have a chance to keep up with Croatia. All right. Final score. Who are you score. picking? I'm You're going picking Croatia. 2-1. Two, one. Two, one. Extra time. Extra time. I'm going to say I feel similarly to this game that I do about the Belgium-France game where that I don't want England to win, but I think they're going to win. I think they're going to win 2-1. England 2-1. And then they lose in the final, hopefully. Yeah. You know, I just... I, I, think, I look at this game and I think, like, the best player on the field, and this is kind of an even, even debate, but who is the best player on the field in this game? Is it Luka Modric or Harry Kane? Luca. I think right now, I think right now it might be Harry Kane, and obviously he's the goal scorer. And in games like this, I know. that goal scoring threat is just so important. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I, yeah, I, I tweeted it out though. I I tweeted it out. Dayon Lovren getting the header would just like as bad as England winning the World Cup. But if Dayon Lovren gets the header over England to go to the final of the World Cup, I'm pretty sure like like 
seventy percent of English fans on Twitter just have to like off themselves, right? Like they have to give up Twitter. Like they can't tweet anymore. Like, it's, damn it, we can't make fun of Lovren ever again. They should you have to. They should have to, they should have to donate to some Croatian charity, like I, or or something. But like, like England fans, <laughs> the have, Lovren Foundation. Yeah, the Lo- Dan Lovren should start a foundation for when he's called lots of Lovren. <laughs> yeah, lots of Lovren, and it's for kids on the street in Croatia who just want to be the next wave of great. They just want love. Yeah, they just want love. And and we should make all the English fans donate to it if he scores the winning goal in this in this in this game. Uh, so who's who is your? I know you said your dream final is Belgium Croatia, but what is what is the final you think is going to happen? And obviously, you've already mentioned who you think is going to win, but who do you think is going to end up winning the whole thing? I who's your I, pick. I think it's going to be France, but I'm I'm rooting for either Croatia or Belgium. Uh, I ju- I want to see someone new. And with everything we've had gone down this year, I think I think Brazil, I think Belgium getting a win over Brazil shows that you know that they've earned it to be here. I think Croatia for the masterclass that they had against Argentina again shows that, and and to have to get through either Belgium or France in the final would show that they would have to be there. Um, I, I, but it, with all the upsets that have happened in this tournament, I think it's fair to say now that all four teams. It's up for grabs. Yeah. Like, you know, say what you want about the talent uh, between the four of them. But with the likes of whether it's Mexico beating Germany on opening day or South Korea beating Germany or Belgium knocking out Brazil, there's, there's been upsets galore. Obviously, Russia over Spain. Like, you, you can't look at France and say 100% certain they have the most talent. I, they're absolutely going to win it. Like, I'm, I'm nervous about the pick. More nervous than I was at the start of the knockouts. Yeah. Um. Yeah, but I think we're gonna France Croatia, and that's what both of us have. So yeah, I would be all for that. That'd be a great game. Yeah, it'd be a fantastic. Oh game. no, I have I have France England in the final. Oh, that's right, you do have France. I picked England two one. That's right. That's right. That's right. Um, I mean, uh, look at me. I, I think all these games would be amazing. All, all all of the iterations of the final would be fun to watch for me. Yeah, I'm I'm right there with you. Now, before we sign off, I do just want to bring attention to a major football rumor. Uh, that everything that I've read... Oh, don't do it. it. It's Cristiano Ronaldo, legitimately. We need to talk about this briefly. Cristiano Ronaldo. The, it's happening, Jeff. May it's go happening. to Juventus. And the reason I think it's going to happen is because Juve are going to potentially make him a brand ambassador for Ferrari. If he comes, because ownership owns Ferrari. I thought Fiat, or are they, they own, do they own both? They own they Fiat own both. and Ferrari. They own both, and Jeep is their shirt sponsor. So, like, cars are plenty for Cristiano. We know how much he loves those Ferraris. I think that would be the moment. And and that's the thing. Like him moving to Juventus, there's still there's still an ambitious team in in in, uh, in Europe. He's not walking into Jose Mourinho's Manchester United. He would be a part of a team that is going to still be the dominant force in their league. And they already won their league without him last year. It would give real the opportunity to totally reboot. Um, I, I, it would be a wild move. It'd be huge for Saria on top of that. They're already selling Ronaldo Juventus jerseys illegally on the street in Turin right now. Um, 
it would be a huge i mean i think that move will be way bigger than neymar going to psg just because you're gonna see real madrid just go balls to the wall with the transfers this summer after well, that it would set off a ripple effect in the entire transfer market just yeah. like neymar's transfer did you know the neymar transfer what was really pushed through the dembele and coutinho deals you know so that's two big players moving to Barcelona because of the money they raised from uh, Neymar. Uh, Cristiano Ronaldo leaving, $100 million or something is the reported fee that they would get for a 33- or 34-year-old player. Uh, obviously, their best player, their best goal scorer of the last uh, almost decade. So they, they would. I think you'd have to say, I know you brought up Eden Hazard earlier. Uh, I'm sure he would be on the list of uh, players they'd want to replace Ronaldo, but I don't think he offers the goal threat to really warrant the uh, super, like the Real Madrid Galactico tag. It would have to be Neymar or Mbappe, one of those two. Um, and obviously, from there, that would set off a ripple for PSG that they would what have about, to go out and get a replacement. What about Dybala? I don't think you'd see Juve uh, sell Dybala. I think Juve are a team with huge aspirations, not just winning Serie A, which they've done now, what, seven times mm-hmm. uh, in a row. They obviously want to win the Champions League. And the, the statement of intent shown by signing Ronaldo is that we want to win the Champions League. And Ronaldo and Dybala is a fearsome forward-to combination. I mean, you still have a Higuain, too. Yeah, exactly. yeah, exactly. It, it becomes a quite well. That would probably set off the transfer of Iguain to someone else. Chelsea have been rumored to be interested in him for something like seventy or eighty million. I, I wouldn't be the biggest fan of that, but you know, it's it's an understandable connection, yeah. uh, especially if Sari ends up at Chelsea. He's obviously a former Sari player, so it, I, I'm excited for this transfer. Even though I'm not, I'm, I'm kind of skeptical still that it's going to happen. I think it might just be a ploy by Ronaldo to get a. a a new contract um, I mean, from Real and to end up staying at Real. There's also, but, you know, there's also I could the, be an asshole and be wrong about it. <laughs> there's also the future of Gareth Bale and what Real Madrid wants to do. Like, are they going to just build the team around Bale, who's a little bit younger? There's so many questions, and it'll all be answered soon enough. But yeah, I, I, I had people texting me about it this week. Uh, you know, is this a real thing? And I'm not. You know, I'm seeing it from not the highest of authorities, but not from guys who are just making up rumors on the internet. And so that's that's why I wanted to talk about it briefly before it's we. It's the start main. Up. The main thing is that it's the Italian sources that are coming out with it, which mm-hmm. obviously means that Juventus are supplying the information to these sources. It's not Ronaldo's. Yeah, uh, it's it, not Ronaldo's camp. It's not Real Madrid's camp. They're not talking about it to their sources. So uh, that, that's why I'm a little skeptical even now where most people seem to think it's just a foregone conclusion. It would be a massive, massive move for Serie A because Juventus become must-watch football every weekend, and you don't have that right now in Serie A. And, I mean, they're doing, every, they're doing a lot of things right. They've got that Netflix special, which I don't know if you've watched. This would be a huge yeah, moment excellent. for Serie A, and – it's going to just change the – and that's the biggest thing that they're missing right now. They don't have a good television rights globally. It's pathetic here in the States. It's tough to watch the league at times. And I'm not talking like the games. If the matches are fine. It's finding the game Thank on God TV. for the internet and be in sports. Exactly. <laughs> and and that even be in sports doesn't do a ton of Serie A coverage. And I know that they would like to do more, and this would give them the opportunity and the credibility to do that. So this would be a big move for the league. It'd be really bad real if quick. you're inter Napoli or Roma fan, but yeah, sure, yeah. But real quick before we go, uh, 
this obviously opens up the Champions League uh, argument for next season wide open. Who do you think is the odds-on favorite? Uh, who should be considered the odds-on favorite now that Real, or I think it's pretty safe to say, are in a uh, a transitional period, or they should be at least. They will definitely be in a transitional period, and that is a great question and one that we will talk about as the transfer window continues to operate until I'm next just putting it out there yeah, I'm, putting I, it on, I'm putting it I on know. your mind I, I like it i like it liverpool make one more signing and i'll tell you that they'll be back uh until next time follow us on twitter at andrew Pissarro, at asmos 92 at ghost goal pod like us and subscribe on itunes give us a review do that whole thing um enjoy the midweek matches hopefully you'll hear from us prior to the final until next time so yeah.